All right, welcome to Just Dow It, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller. I'm the CEO of MyDAO, which is the company that provides legal entity solutions for DAOs, and I'm your host. Uh, prior to starting MyDAO, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs, and my goal here is to bring uh, great news and advice to uh, people who are starting DAOs now. Welcome to our guests. Uh, I have a policy of not doxing our guests. We will let them dox themselves. Uh, so if each of you would uh, first give a brief introduction, don't go into too many details yet, we'll do that later, and included your intro, what makes you an authority on DAOs? Uh, let's start with Lisa. Wonderful. My name is Lisa Woken. I'm entirely doxxed in the DAO space. I'm Lisa Woken on all socials. And basically, I'm an authority in this space because I've spent my entire life's work and career developing workers for the future. And there is no better time than right now to be applying my entire career's work in this emerging DAO ecosystem, where I'm a founding member of Talent DAO and conducting research on leadership in DAOs. Awesome. And then I realized with two guests, I, I automatically doxed you because I wanted to say who, who was going first. So that's my <laughs> mistake, but I'm glad you're fully doxed anyways. And yeah. uh, next up. And so you did not dox me, so good catch there, Adam. I am Sarah Sonnenfeld. I'm delighted to be part of Talent DAO alongside Lisa. Uh, Talent DAO is a community of organizational scientists, and I do a lot of work seeing around corners, looking at emerging trends, disrupting organizations. What makes me an authority in the data space is in some ways the translational ability, right? Looking a little more from the outside into DAOs and then also thinking what of that is relevant uh, in cross, right? What can mainstream organizations learn from DAOs? What can DAOs learn from mainstream organizations? And what gets me so excited about being in this space, like what I'll pick up and talk to anybody in the grocery store about is the O, right? The distributed autonomous or decentralized autonomous organizations, right? Seeing what kinds of experiments are emerging in this space, imagining how they link to the past and what they mean for the future of many kinds of organizations, both DAOs and all sorts of others as well. So really excited to be here today, Adam, and excited to be here with you, Lisa. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have both of you on, on the show. Um, first up, we will do the Just Dow It News Report. Uh, I'll be summarizing each of these stories for our audience and for our guests, and I'll share my, my reactions, and then I will ask our guests if they have anything to add. First story is from Bankless Publishing, and the headline is Beginnings of the Industrial Revolution. So this is the second time we've heard this pun on the show. I always love these good DAO puns. Um, the subtitle is DAOs Concentrate Money, Labor, and Culture Faster Than a Speeding Locomotive the original uh, corporation. So this is going back to 1602, the Dutch East India Company. Um, so one of the earlier forms of organizational innovation. And the quote is, these new firms allowed large sums of money and labor to be concentrated and they could amass more resources than any individual or government could. 
So now we're uh, in the midst of another uh, evolution or revolution in how we organize money and labor, among other things. And I think what a lot of us are excited about is we believe DAOs could be as impactful as the corporation uh, was, you know, hundreds of years ago. Um, so I, I certainly agree with that take, and uh, I think it's it's still early days, but I do think DAOs will change everything about how we organize everything from high school clubs to companies, international companies and conglomerates, governments, everything. Any reactions from uh, you, Lisa or Sarah? I can share that I don't disagree. I think it'll be fascinating. A lot of the talk is how much is, will DAOs disrupt versus the use of NFT in more traditional organizational contexts. But I think the game changer for me comes down to tokenomics and the place where all the experiments are playing out on that is in the DAO context. So for me, DAOs take the cake and are kind of king in respect to where we are organizational experimenting in a way that we could extrapolate and really see the implications of that in all other organizational contexts. I'll build on what Lisa says. I'm also acknowledging the dog in the background, which is super fun. So hello, hello, <laughs> Ruff Ruff. Is that Lisa or Adam? Which one? Which it's, one? It's my dog. She's going to be oh. a regular uh, regular guest on the show, and I think. And Adam, what's so. your dog's name? Goldie. <laughs> I was just going to say, can we assume when she barks, she's like clapping, like that's her way of agreeing? Exactly. <laughs> yes, I think she loves, she loves dows. Okay, so Goldie's on board. That's awesome. And, and I'm glad to meet Goldie. There's four of us on this podcast. Um, I would uh, agree with everything that Lisa's saying, um, tokenomics being distinct for dows versus other organizations. But I'll also say that anytime, again, I haven't read this article, but anytime there's been a new form you know, whether it's an LLC or a nonprofit structure or a guild, or anytime there's a new form of organizing capital and labor, interesting things can happen. And so I think one of the questions that I have about DAOs is how much is it incidental and how many actual human beings are involved with how much of their time? Um, and then where can, as you said, Adam, like where can we use these forms and can, can it survive enough as a context with the right legal and tax and whatnot protection so that something new can emerge um, in many ways. So I haven't heard that term before. It's a fun one, industrial <laughs> revolution, certainly making big claims there. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think also, you know, DAOs are experimenting with and developing a new set of capabilities, models, processes that it's eventually we won't have some organizations that are DAOs and other organizations that are simply not and don't use any of those capabilities. I think governments and com traditional companies will pull some of the things that we learn from the world of DAOs and leverage them as part of you know whatever systems they've already built. Yes, I've, I've seen that even with how design thinking really boomed across all other industries, all other places. When you get a really new way of approaching work and organizing that has, you know, that composability, that to me is is inevitable that DAOs are this breeding ground for something that's going to permeate many, many other places. All right. Uh, next article is from Coindesk, and the headline is DAOs are the new way of impact work. And the subheadline is impact DAOs are at the forefront of a new culture of work that asks us to move towards aligning our values with our actions, says the co-founder of Gitcoin. 
Okay, very cool. I, you know, to me, I, I, a question that I that this article makes me want to ask is: Are DAOs particularly suited to impact work, to charitable work? You know, a lot of DAOs uh, do seem to have some kind of public good purpose, even if that public good is you know building open source software uh, on the blockchain, um, which can also be very profitable. Um, but uh, it it does feel like there is a connection here between um, you know kind of decentralized leadership and impact work. But is that necessarily something that that will stick or is that just a coincidence so far i would add i would kind of make two comments around this the question is are DAOs the new impact work um i think the first is what does it mean to do impact work or what does it mean to do values-based or mission-based or purpose-driven work um, and then I think the second is what does it mean to be composable, as Lisa was describing with design thinking, but what does it mean to kind of compose bounty worthy work? Um, as I said, Adam, I do a bunch of things where, you know, what does mainstream organizations need to pay attention to in DAOs? And I think this is really one of them is like, how do you design work that is bounty worthy, that is worthy of somebody being like, oh, I want to pick up and do that piece of a job. And then how do, how do DAOs, how do organizations break down and compose what they're looking for in a way that's useful and then can build back towards whatever goal it is that you're looking for? The ability to do that is actually a key differentiator overall as to whether things will succeed. Um, and you know, briefly then to the two points on purpose and on bounties, um, I'm always a little hesitant on the why, right? In our increasingly fluid workforce, like, are you doing work because you want to pick up a paycheck? Um, or are you doing work because, you know, you're really driven for the purpose of things? And I think, you know, you can design things either way. Um, and then on the bounty level, um, who's designing? There was great work back in 2013 from a set of computer scientists looking at the future of crowd work. And how is it that we can design work that, crowds will come together and actually want to do that and don't ultimately get devalued in the uberization of skills. So your tiny little spot scale here in the corner, like sure, if you know this specific tokenomics, but the more that gets, you know, uberized, all of a sudden it gets cheaper and cheaper. And are you really participating? So I think I'm always hesitant when people talk about impact. It's easy to talk about. It's hard to do seriously. And it's hard to do where you're actually giving power um, to the people involved, um, as opposed to kind of in a very superficial way. So I'd bring a lot of skepticism. Well, also, I think foundationally, um, DAOs have huge promise in this space for a different way of, of handling governance. I don't know if that's too serious for such a fun title, but, you know, Lisa and Madam, you'll tell me what you think there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I think it's well stated there's a lot of promise in DAOs when it comes to impact work. I often tell people a way to think about what tokenomics unlock in the DAO space is the ability for groups to organize around a purpose that they really believe in and essentially develop a microeconomy around it. And that is something that nonprofits and co-ops and collectives have um, maybe not had available to them as a way of actually incentivizing and rewarding their, their donors, their volunteers, and bringing to light a different way to actually help flatten the incentives around 
participating in these public goods spaces that now could actually be competitive with different types of jobs. You know, I think often people think about you go into nonprofits, not for the money, but for the mission. And in the Dow space, I think it's so compelling because what you find is that you can have a little bit of both. The only reason people are getting sucked into the DAOs that they're in is, and I shouldn't say only reason, but the primary reason is the purpose. It is the mission. It is the beliefs, the manifesto that people work so hard in DAOs to create. That is what is being used as the recruitment tactic for so many DAOs is just having a clear purpose that compels people to want to contribute. And that's how you're getting these feverish communities cropping up in the DAO ecosystem. That's how you're going to... That's actually the foundation to your recruitment, your engagement, and your retention strategies. And so I think a clear purpose really, really matters. But really what's enabled in impact work is this idea that now you have a tokenomic structure to actually reward people in ways that maybe you only saw in a corporate sector. So it's this blending of different models that really makes up a unique opportunity ahead if if we can only experiment to help it work out. And as Sarah said, there's lots of room for things to get corrupted because when people gather, leadership emerges, power structures emerge, all that sort of stuff does and will happen. But I think it's got so much promise. Mm, I'm excited to dig into that more later because I, I think one of the most interesting things that I observe in DAOs is exactly what you said. It's leadership and power structures emerging, whether it's hard power that is, you know, explicitly defined or just soft power, it seems unavoidable. And maybe that's okay. Um, it's inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay or not, it's inevitable. Um, and, and, and to the point about impact DAOs too, you know, something you said, Lisa, reminded me of this analogy I like to think about when I'm trying to figure out what DAOs are, which is if you think about a nonprofit with a market cap, in our traditional corporate world, that's like an oxymoron, right? You can never go to someone and say, I'm going to sell you 1% of my nonprofit organization for $10,000. But so far, the way things are working with tokenomics, you have governance tokens that represent governance rights over an organization. They're not equity, right? They don't represent a claim on future profit or dividends or anything like that. Um, But people are attributing a value to them. And so you have what are what are nonprofit or charitable organizations that have a token with a market cap of tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases. And so now a nonprofit has the power to create capital and raise money. And like you said, use those tokens also to compensate people that traditionally only for-profit companies had. I think that's really exciting too. All right, next story is from Cointelegraph. And the headline is, MakerDAO members shoot down proposal for more centralization. MakerDAO members turned up in record numbers to preserve the principles of decentralization, setting new precedents for future DAO governance. Okay, sounds cool. Uh, One reason I wanted to highlight this article is in a previous show, we talked about MakerDAO's leadership coming out uh, with a statement and a paper talking about how the DAO was failing in some ways. It's it's losing $10 million a year. Um, It's unwieldy. It's not achieving its goals. It's inefficient. And uh, as part of the proposed solution by one of the founders, um, they wanted to introduce more of a centralized uh, hierarchical structure. 
Um, I don't have all the details about exactly what that structure was going to look like, but um, I do think it's it's notable that people came out in droves to oppose that particular proposal. Um, anything uh, to add, uh, Lisa or Sarah? I can share that I'm not surprised. I think especially when you get a, a DAO voting, a lot of it is in the ethos and in the culture and the cultural preservation of trying to be constantly on that path to decentralization or upholding decentralization, I don't think is is surprising at all. And at the same time, what I'm constantly urging people to do is to suspend their judgment about what will, quote unquote, fix our dysfunctional DAOs. And, um, you know, we have a bad habit of humans as to falling into default thinking of that, well, if this didn't work, then it must be more centralization that's needed. And really, I think sometimes we need to sit with and explore more deeply into the decentralization of how do we find ways to, to and alternatives and creative ways to experiment with it still. And so not to just copy paste web two thinking onto web three as coming in as heroes, but to actually sit with the dysfunction and to find new wormholes into different ways out of the cave versus maybe the, the big front door we're used to in web two. So that would be, you know, I'm not surprised and I am also not surprised the proposal is put forth either. Lisa, thank you for those. That's really interesting. I'm, I feel like I want to go away and think more about it. Adam, just looking in the details of this specific case, it looks like there were almost 300,000 um, governance tokens that could vote. Um, and there were three different proposals, each a, a variation, Lisa, of your big front door of ways to centralize. And one was 60%, another was 65%, another was 76% of people saying like, hell no. <laughs> so um, it's interesting. I think often we see in organizations and with people, right? Like if you love something or if you hate something, you'll, you'll speak up. And if you're in the middle, like maybe you'll skip voting. But so they saw the highest voting also for these proposals. So something clearly, as you said, Lisa, you know, something was triggered and what this means for the community. And it's interesting to see that much engagement. I wonder, right, I'm, Adam, I want to know the next dude's article of, you know, where they go with this. How do they have the community conversations inside the DAOs? What other proposals get put up? What generates this kind of attention? Um, sometimes there's a lot of clarity and strong negatives. Yeah, very interesting. It, it's kind of like we're applying some democratic principles that previously came from the world of government now to a corporate setting. And it, it makes me wonder, you know, if a lot of the time in business, we think about what's going to work best for some particular purpose. Maybe it's a profit motive. Maybe it's a effectiveness of some system. But maybe what's more important sometimes is what do people want to do, right? What's the system they want to be a part of? And you know, I think uh, a lot of us in the States uh, and, and probably others around the world would say, well, we want to live in a democracy, even if sometimes it doesn't work as well as, as we would like it to. And I think that's part of what we're figuring out now in a, in a business setting. All right. Next headline uh, is, again, from Coindesk. The headline is, DAOs are the real meritocracies. Decentralized autonomous organizations make contributing to open source projects remunerative. In doing so, DAOs could transform the world of work. 
Okay, I think there's actually two things going on here because to me, the headline and, and the subtitle are, are actually a bit different. Um, the headline, DAOs are the real meritocracies, I think um, is worth evaluating in and of itself. I, I think, you know, I've heard uh, from the, the DE&I um, subject matter area, a lot of discussion about meritocracies, especially in the context of, you know, are the systems that we've traditionally called meritocracies, are they really meritocracies or do they really just benefit, you know, people who maybe were better prepared to take advantage of that system, but might not, not actually be better at the work that they're doing. And I know that that's one challenge that's emerging with DAOs is you remove when you remove central control, you're also removing things like, you know, uh, potentially removing things like HR or DE&I or um, any kind of check on, you know, the most popular person getting all the votes or the best perceived proposal winning, right, with no checks necessarily on bias and is, is the system really meritocratic? And then... On the other question, which to me is very different, this idea that DAOs will transform open source work, I think that is absolutely, absolutely true. And one of the most exciting things about DAOs because of the fact that the governance um, code of the DAO you know, can be used not only for like voting on the fate of the organization and spending money, it can also directly control software. And so you can now have software that has its own governing rules that cannot be broken versus traditional open source projects where like someone owns the repository, right? As open source as it is, there's some kind of like legal rights associated with it that people are expected to follow. There's often some kind of you know, foundation that controls the project or a person who started the GitHub repository. And at the end of the day, you know, that's not truly decentralized. Whereas with, you know, open source projects, now that you have DAOs, especially if these projects live on the blockchain, you, you really can enforce a decentralized governance of that code. Um, and that code could then do things like pay for its own development or ensure, you know, pay for its own marketing and, you know, hire its own leaders in, in a sense with the help of human voters. So to me, that one is more un unquestionably very exciting. I would be happy to pick up, you know, to your question of open source, Adam. I think there's a, a neat conversation about the relationship between DAOs and open source. We met each other at DAO Planet in New York just a couple weeks ago. And um, folks on stage were talking about what is it that we can learn from what the open source world has learned over the past number of years, if not, you know, a couple decades. Um, I heard Chris Dixon of Andreessen Horowitz describe with like pathos that now I've taken on for myself. He's like, on the one hand, um, Wikipedia is this incredible thing, right? Remember when Wikipedia was a new way of organizing the world's information and was banned in schools? Because what about what happened to the encyclopedia and is this, is this information good? What amazing, how amazing is it that that project is now available for humanity? And as Chris Dixon was saying, like, how sad is it that they have to fundraise every year, right? The business model is relatively simple. Thank goodness they don't have to do very much product development, you know. And yet, what if that could be built as a DAO today that could maintain and fundraise for itself? So I do think, Adam, your point earlier of what if you take nonprofit and add a treasury um, but you know where do where do DAOs continue the work of deep open source communities where can they learn from where do they intersect and yet are still distinct 
um, I think are pretty fascinating questions. I love that point, Sarah. And I feel like the part about open source is it's it's an exciting place to be. It's where developers want to be. It's where people want to engage in. It's, it is the epicenter of what allows us to feel like we're architecting the new future of the world of work, of Web3 internet, of whatever um, you think that underpinning infrastructure is going to be for the world. It it lives in that open source space where we can build upon each other's ideas and work. But DAOs and putting it on chain, blockchain technology, especially combined with crypto, it it launches it into this whole different stratosphere where there it unlocks so many more possibilities, so many more, um, like if we're being architects, so many more things to possibly build. So I, I think that's a, a total, total game changer um, in ways that we don't even know yet. Um, still so nascent, still so young, still so immature in our evolution in this space and yeah, I mean, but it's it's been opened. Like DAOs have opened a whole new world of options. Um, and are they the real meritocracies, though? That part, I I would agree that I'm not quite sure because there is it is still so nascent, and organizations have yet to really figure out pay for performance. There's still in many organizations that claim pay for performance more pay for parading in a way. Um, A lot of people feel like they have a job and then managing the perception of that job. And there's just the reality that a lot of systems that we create are more advantageous for certain demographics, for certain people, for certain styles, for certain personalities. And so it's very difficult for me to think of a, a true meritocracy um, even even in the space of trying to understand credentialing in DAOs is a very meaty topic that many people are trying to suss out how do they approach it because um, it comes down to value sets and we value different things as human beings and our organizations are are founded on different value sets. And so it's very difficult to think of how do you actually get at someone's real merit because what you're really trying to do is understand what is the value they generate what is the value that they capture? Those are two different things. And, you know, what is somebody's worth as a human? And those are deeply philosophical, deeply value-laden, and really um, they depend on the, you know, it, the it's in the eye of the beholder. They're very subjective. And so do we ever really get to a real meritocracy? I would say no. Mm. Very interesting. It, it makes me think about in my last job in corporate America, where you know everyone knew that part of what you had to do to be successful was have good presence and communicate your value to the organization. And even as a team, you need to make sure people understand the value of the team. And it seems like to an extent, of course, that stuff is just necessary. It's important for people to know why you're valuable so that they can leverage that value. But if you take it too far and you're just parading, to use your word, and just making it look like you're the most valuable team in the company, you'll get rewarded for that too. And so there's that seems like a delicate balance. Yeah, most organizations, there's a lot of statistics on this. Most organizations spend the majority of their time and activity doing things that are not actually generating value that their end consumers would pay for. And 
that's something that DAOs need to really keep in check. If you're doing work that is not generating value for ultimately the people you're trying to serve, um, you got to fire yourself on that. <laughs> and <laughs> people won't hold you as accountable in a DAO setting as they might in a corporation to to actually drive toward that. Yep. Awesome. All right. This next article I'm really excited about because Lisa is one of the authors and this might be one of the most important uh, papers, articles, posts that's been written uh, about DAOs yet. And it's actually from early May, but I wanted to make sure we talk about this. Um, the title of the article is DAO Leadership Building on the Shoulders of Giants. And um, the reason I'm so excited about this article is for the past several months, I, I have felt strongly and I've told a lot of people I talk to in the DAO space that one of the biggest challenges that most DAOs face is leadership, management. How do you actually, whether, whether everyone's running it or one person's running it, how do you run a successful organization? How do you lead a successful organization? And how does leadership work in that context? You know, a lot of DAOs, I've seen a lot of DAOs really struggle to be effective because of a lack of leadership or management, you know, whether it's coming from the top or the bottom. Um, so really excited to to be able to dig into this a little bit now uh, with Lisa um, and, and Sarah, who works on similar things. But first, with this article, instead of reading a subtitle, I'm just going to summarize the table of contents because I want people to know what's in this article so that they go look it up and, and read it. Um, so first of all, I'm just going to go through the contents. What can DAOs learn from decades of leadership research? Research. Well, this is the other thing, right? People have been studying leadership and management and organizations, organizational design, organizational psychology, all this stuff and more for at least decades and in some cases hundreds of years on some of these topics. Most DAOs that I that I talk to for the 50 or 60 DAOs I'm part of in some way um, don't have anyone who has experience with all of these topics. Um, they're not looking at the decades of research. Um, they're not you know, bringing these ideas into their organizations. And so there's a huge opportunity to do that. So this alone is, is amazing. Um, there's preliminary perspective on DAO leadership, introducing core DAO leadership on leading, leading self, leading people, leading tasks, leading change, and wrapping up core DAO leadership and DAO leadership NFT editions, which sounds very exciting for anyone into collecting NFTs. So um, Lisa, first of all, for someone who just heard this and is like, oh my God, I need to go look this up right now. What's the easiest way for them to find it? And then would you share with us like your favorite your favorite idea from all this work that you did on this paper uh, and what that means for people starting DAOs? Yeah, sure. So first, where you can find it, it's at Senior Nisunio, which is Italian for Mr. Nobody. And that's my co-author on it. It's his mere account. But if you just type in the, the article of DAO leadership building on the shoulders of giants, you'll see that come up real quick and easy. Um, it is a long essay, so I'll put that out there, but it is a treasure trove. The, the co-author that I worked with on it, who's also my partner that we've been studying this topic for about nine months now and are moving into phase two where we're doing direct and primary research of interviewing leaders and founders within DAOs. Um, my partner on it is a phenomenal researcher that focuses in one very specific type of research, which that is conducting high quality research on research. And so this article is genuinely, even though it's long, it is the too long didn't read version 
of each of those things that Adam just listed off. It's the too long, didn't read version of people leadership that might that we believe is applicable to DAOs through research. Change leadership that we believe is applicable to DAOs through research. And task leadership that we believe is applicable to DAOs through leadership. And of course, self-leadership too. And so for me, when I look at the fact that there's 40 systematic reviews and meta-analyses that cover 5,400 primary research studies on looking at the past 25 years of relevant and recent leadership literature, this is a dream to me. I, I felt so fortunate to be involved in this inquiry and conducting this research, and I'm so excited to bring it to the Dow ecosystem where I think it It just has so many implications. And so what I'd share, though, is far more practical. That's like the geeky academic stuff that I'm nerding out about all the time. The the practical part that I often tell people in DAOs to pay attention to with the article is that it's really about moving leadership from a person title position into an action or process that's more emergent and dynamic. That really is uh, something that you need to be thinking about when you you reflect on structure in your DAO. And a lot of DAO leaders I know say like, you know, but we're all about like letting it be emergent. We don't want to put structure. We don't want to put boxes around people. I hear that. And there's this really great article called The Tyranny of Structurelessness, which is basically that when humans organize, we're not structurelessness. But if we don't intentionally put structure in our organizations, it still emerges. But it often emerges in ways that then um, become either counterproductive to our goals as an organization or um, are, are not as unbiased or fair or equitable as we would hope they are. And so it is worth intentionally thinking about the structure of your organization. And it is worth thinking about what are those roles where leadership really makes a difference. And it's less about you know, the title, the status of the position, but more about the culture you're creating. And there's three things that we know through research, three behaviors that if people have these found in, in their organization, in their DAO, they will allow for the emergence of shared leadership, which I believe is something we can agree on in DAOs is that we're not looking for that great man theory of leadership one person, we're looking to cultivate shared leadership. And so those three things are really about your shared purpose, which we've already talked a little bit about today and making that compelling and clear. Um, Social support, like will people lend you a hand if you're in need? That's important for people in your DAO to be able to say yes to. And then voice, do I have say in the future direction of, of this organization? And so those would be the very practical three things. It's that shared purpose, social support, and voice. Um, you need those in your organization if you're gonna cultivate shared leadership. Wow. Very interesting. Um, I love that. It's very practical advice. Um, so it sounds like anyone involved in a DAO can try to create the environment where those three things exist, right? And then from that might emerge distributed leadership? There, Those are the behaviors that lead to the outcomes. So those three conditions need to be met in order for shared leadership to emerge. Okay, cool. Awesome. Wow. Sarah, Sarah, do you want to, by the way, a link will be in the show notes as well. So anyone can can click on that there. Um, Sarah, do you want to reflect on uh, Lisa's article or the things she was saying at all? What I love about this work that Lisa and Mr. Nobody and, you know, in, in some ways the community supporting behind them and excited for them is doing 
is that it is taking all these things right on the shoulders of giants right there's we know so much and yet it's also such an emergent space <clears throat> and so i think on the one hand you know lisa what i love about the work that you're doing is where is it that we say yes be emergent yes explore and where is it to say yes in order to do that like you probably want to have shared leadership. Like maybe there are some DAOs where you want a big man theory and great, you'll see it in the governance, you'll see it in the voting, you might see it in who they attract, you know, to join them. Um, but to the extent that you're, you know, we and DAOs are smart about what actually matters. Now, the one thing I want to add, I was just having a conversation with the folks at Columbia's Digital Storytelling Lab and they do amazing work looking at the future of Web3 and technologies and some of the anthropological and, and theater futures that that can bring us to. How is it that as we're doing things so quickly and moving so quickly in the DAO space, we can also move slowly and really think about why does this DAO exist? What is the purpose that is draw, you know, that is worth encoding? Um, such that it will live on in code. What will keep drawing attention in, and how do we how do we think about what will matter, such that leadership can emerge in ways you know that we think need to happen in the world. Awesome, yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I really encourage people to go check that out. Although we've already had such an awesome uh, a short summary of of advice, I love those three those three features um, to enable shared leadership. Um, I can't wait to just think through some of the DAOs that I'm a part of and, and how we can apply those better. All right, we are going to end the Just Dow at News report there and turn to the featured guest interview today. Of course, as you can tell, we have two featured guests. Um, so turning to the interview, I would love for each of you, and I'm just going to go through the questions that, that we usually uh, talk about on Just Dow it. Um, want to learn about your backgrounds and get advice uh, for people starting DAOs. So um, each question, I'll just ask each of you to answer. We can reflect and, and converse, and then we'll move on to the next question. So uh, the first question is, would you each please tell us about your background and how you got into Web3 and DAOs? I can start. I have uh, 15 years working for extremely large corporations doing enterprise-wide leadership development, and then um, studied, have my master's in leadership development, have my PhD in organizational leadership. And so you can tell that's been the real through thread for me in my life is this study of leaders and how they impact the organizations they are a part of. But it was when I was working in um, owning the leadership development portfolio at Cargill, which is the United States' largest privately held company, that we started looking at what are the new capabilities that our leaders need to be more aware of. And in 2018 was when I started to get a lot more familiar with blockchain. It took until, I think, 2021 before I ended up with an antenna on my roof and was mining helium and was... Um, finding myself understanding the broader implications of blockchain technology beyond what Cargill used it for, which was supply chain transparency. And then obviously, you know, like a lot of other people was there for the auction, $69 million of an NFT. What is this? 
I'm married to an artist, so it kind of took our household by storm. What are these NFTs? They're clearly disruptive. And, um, you know, then you kind of find out by the end of the year, they're going to disrupt the music industry. And 2021 then fall was when I actually found my home. It wasn't in the NFT space. I was fascinated by it. It wasn't in the mining space, although that's been great. It was more um, as at the people side of all this and looking at leadership. And so came to Talent Dow, um, became one of the founding members there. Um, there was a small group of us that right away were organizational psychologists looking to research the people side of the Dow ecosystem. And that's where I brought this concept of leadership too, was that I wanted to study this and make this my home for studying leadership and how it applies to this new emerging ecosystem. And I've been doing that work ever since. That's where I met Sarah, which was has been absolutely outstanding and brilliant to be able to work with other talented organizational development consultants and researchers and this whole community of people who believe in doing high quality work for a very... Um, what has been more IT and finance rooted space to bust that open and and say that at the end of the day, our DAOs are gonna live and die by their people and we all know it. And so technology, automation, decentralization, yes, and they're gonna live and die by our people. And so it's worth getting great research on that. That's awesome, inspirational too. I love it. I love that you started out with Helium. I'm, I'm a big fan of that project too. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Sarah, how about you? I love, I always love hearing other people's stories. In my case, um, I'll say how I got into DAOs and then back out to how I'm, you know, some of my background. Um, last fall, I had a friend, you know, call me up on the phone and he happened to be working at a, in the cryptocurrency space. And they were exploding with blitz scale growth, you know, as a company, they were hiring, they weren't themselves a DAO, um, though they work with DAOs, but they had 200 people. And within a few months, they had 800 people, you know, you pick up the phone and you're like, okay, now we have people in Serbia and now we have people in Malaysia. And I just got three new people in Cyprus, um, let alone all the things that they were doing with the growth of the space. And so I he was like, help. <laughs> and my background is working with, you know, high growth organizations. So I picked up and in this Web3 space was thinking about, you know, how do you bring in talent into an emerging space where nobody's done this before, right? So what are you looking for? How do you grow? Um, once people, once human beings are there, let alone all sorts of capabilities where it's like, let's just do M&A to like buy a bunch of developers. But, you know, once people, let alone other capabilities are there, like, how do you figure out what to focus on, let alone orchestrate all the pieces uh, so that they fit together? Um, and I, I jumped into that space and was fascinated um, through it, heard DAO, anything that has an O. You know, did you say organization? <laughs> I should pay attention to this because in some ways the depth of, of my background comes from 20 plus years um, looking at organizations. How do they tick? Why do they tick? Why do they work together? I've worked with nonprofits, with corporations, with professional services, with um, 
you know, I've advised on should you be an LLC or should you be a nonprofit or should you be an S corp and and why would you make one decision over versus another? And Adam, you know a lot in the legal space and seeing what's advised these days for DAOs, it's it's totally uh, wild west. While there's also really smart decisions for now. But so I think, you know, in some ways, bringing the span of what organizations think about to a really high growth space and trying to, you know, for me, it's like, how do you know what's worth paying attention to? There's a lot of language in here that I can't tell what makes sense. Um, and to be a non-technical person inside a space that is still driven significantly by technology while also knowing that historically people who've been near technology but not inside it have also had really important perspectives. So staking a claim in, in being part of those conversations, that's a little on my background um, as well as how I got into this world. Awesome. It's, it's so exciting. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling so inspired right now. This is, this is amazing. Um, okay. So, um, what, what projects are each of you working on and what are, what are your roles within those projects? And, and then once we get past that, we're going to dig into the real meaty stuff, like getting, uh, learning about the challenges you see DAOs facing and advice and, and stuff like that. I can share shortly that my work is again, focused on phase one of doing DAOs and leadership was this research on research, what the past 25 years can teach us. And now we're going into phase two, which is direct primary research. It's using a qualitative interview approach, but it's done with a level of rigor where we keep confidentiality, anonymity. We have a research team of four people that actually represent the four primary regions of the world. Talent DAO is extremely international. So we have a really well-balanced research team, highly representative, and that I believe is a very intentional choice on our part. And I serve as the research lead for that. So we start into, we're recruiting right now, start into actual conducting the interviews. And then as a team of four researchers, we code the data on the back end to actually develop um, theory and practice to evolve the entire DAO ecosystem that researchers and then DAO leaders can can build upon and actually use. We're very pragmatic in our approach. So that's that's my role. Cool. How about you, Sarah? Um, I am doing work where I'm digging into what is it that mainstream organizations need to learn from DAOs. We've started to see the headlines of you know, X or Y organization investing in Web3 capabilities, some of the stuff that Lisa had done back earlier in career saying, what skills do we need to pay attention to? I think what I've been focusing on is crystallizing what do, what do mainstream organizations need to pay attention to? I'm really narrowing in on four things. Flash mob starts, right? What would it mean to be able to actually organize a group of people that quickly not a capability mainstream organizations have right now. Bounty worthy work, right? How you define work in a way that's worth people coming and picking up. Multiple agencies, like um, classically, you've created a management structure, given them incentives so they act like owners, um, and then organize employees to deliver value, you know, for owners. Um, DAOs break all of that down, right? So there's fascinating stuff happening with are you an owner and an employee and hired by your DAO and making voting decisions, right? And also benefiting as a community member. 
So there's really interesting foundational agency theory stuff. And the fourth and final thing is decentralized leadership. And that's entirely the work uh, that Lisa and the team and the Talent Out team is, is also doing. What does it mean to be a leader in these kinds of environments and to have leadership emerge uh, shared in these kinds of environments? So Adam, what I would say is I'm really looking at what are the things that are unique to DAOs that don't exist in other organizations and trying to, to pay attention to those because they're so fascinating. Wow. And, and how does that work get leveraged? Do you, um, do you do consulting for companies that want to bring in that expertise or do you do writing about it? Or Well, so first of all, anybody listening to this call, come check us out on Talent Out. Um, there's a bunch of stuff happening. And so if you're like, I have no idea what these guys are saying, but some of this stuff sounds like we should learn a little bit about it. Uh, there's a whole, you know, community of, of organizational scientists at TalentDAO who think about this kind of stuff. And so, you know, we can take the, the three-step version instead of the long version and help you and your organizations, you know, think through, you and your DAOs, right, think through this a little bit. Um, and then I know, like, you know, Lisa's got some pretty cool card decks, right? I'm always happy to talk to anybody. Um, you know, whether it turns into projects or just connecting with other folks who are in this space who can help or maybe have, have thought about similar things. Um, so, yes, there's both. Uh, I think both of us, you know, have a consulting hat that if you want to chat with us and um, primarily come find us through Talent Dow. Lisa, would you agree with that or add anything also for the specific work you're doing? Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. So Talent Dow's the front entrance. That's like the main door. And both Sarah and I have had our own consulting practices. We, I also own an e-commerce startup that issues, um, it's like leadership development experiences to help you cultivate your own leadership in a box, very tactile. And we issue NFTs for completion on Polygon blockchain. And so there's a whole lot of things that TalentDAO um, does and helps cultivate the talent within the DAO. And I think that's a really good model. I know we'll get into advice in the future, but that's one of the great things that um, Renee, who's been one of our primary founders of Talent Dow, has really talked about is that we're a DAO that helps people cultivate their talent, be immersed in a community of really great organizational scientists, and can bring their talents, their efforts, and their other things into our DAO and help contribute and also maintain their own sense of self in that process. So I get really excited about that. Both Sarah and I do do speaking and workshops on this stuff too. We're firm believers that research is only as great as, as the sense that it can be applied and, and applicable. And therefore, education is a really strong component at Talent DAO as well. And so I would just put a plug in for that. It's not just a research DAO. We do a lot of education and consulting as well. Cool. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about DAOs. Um, what growing pains do you usually see in the early days of DAOs? And um, how are DAOs addressing those challenges? How should DAOs address those challenges? Uh, well, I can speak first and foremost, we've actually done some research at Talent DAO on compensation. And one of the things that we have found is actually more effective for early DAOs based on our research is the use of bounties early on. It, it really gets the people from lurking to step into that next ring of being a contributor. Once your DAO matures further, bounties become less of an incentive for people to go that extra mile. So that's a bit of our research that I'd like to, to share there because I think it's got very 
practical implications. But the other pitfalls that I see people getting into, it's honestly, it is so basic that I could almost laugh at it, but people need to be appreciated more. Like it is the reason people leave a lot of their traditional organizations. And we found this through the pandemic. It's it's less even about the pay, the benefits. It is about a lack of appreciation. And in the United States, I mean, our U.S. Labor Bureau and Statistics or Bureau of Labor and Statistics saw people leave in droves. And we thought we broke records, breaking over 4 million people leaving their jobs in September of 2021. And then that only, or I think it was August, and then September blew that out of the water. And it almost seems like it just kept going. This past April of 2022 was even larger. So people are departing, but a lot of the reason that they're leaving their jobs is a lack of appreciation. And I think DAOs need to understand that they're not exempt from that when it comes to traditional organizations, that people fundamentally want to feel seen and heard and want to be appreciated. So I tell early DAOs, I'm like, appreciate to accelerate. If if you're seeing people and they feel seen, you're going to go much farther, much faster. And oddly enough, I see a lot of DAOs just trying to be more asynchronous and not bother people or trying to allow for the autonomy aspect to reign supreme. And it's like, no, people still want connection and they still want to feel seen. Don't don't let the acronym of a DAO, um, you know, get in the way of that. Appreciation should be right up there. <laughs> That's Those are two awesome points. Um, you know, on the appreciation one, it's interesting. A lot of the DAOs I joined, especially early on, it was really hard for me to get to the point where I felt like someone who was even in a position where I could provide that appreciation for others. Cause I was like, does that make me look like I'm uh, really full of myself by acting like I'm part of this DAO? And I don't know if other people really see me that way or what. And, you know, I've certainly found that it's been valuable just to be more confident in, you know, just like when you join a discord, you're, in most cases, you're part of the DAO, right? Or whatever the documents say. If the documents say buy a few tokens, buy a few tokens, you're part of the DAO. And in most cases, people want you to step up and whether it's taking on bounties or, um, you know, uh, contributing to the culture. But um, I don't know, is that, is that something that you've you've seen people deal with too? I mean, how do you get to the point where people feel like they're in a position to provide that appreciation? Oof. Um, I think that's such a great question, but it it ties into the whole permissionless culture. This is something that I think actually needs education and even training around a mindset shift from web two to web three. I have worked with so many high level executives that are senior vice presidents in every right. They're the CEO of a smaller version of a company. And yet they will say things like, I wasn't sure I had permission to, I wasn't sure if I could make the decision. It's like, oh my gosh, this company is paying you so much money. You're so freaking talented. We've entrusted you with this giant book of business. And yet you're still questioning, do I have permission to make a decision that's fully within your jurisdiction? What? I mean, so much value, so much talent, and so much progress is left on the table because of this word of do I have, or this phrase of do I have permission? And so for me, I'm the permissionless culture is one of the most beautiful, sacred things of DAOs. If I could keep something highly intact, it's that. And what I tell people is I'm like, we need to educate more around the future of leadership in general, whether it's at a traditional organization or a DAO. But I think particularly applicable to DAOs, I tell people the future of leadership is mojo over ego. 
And ultimately what that means is knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, and coming boldly with your asks and offers. What's the worst that's going to happen if you give somebody kudos or appreciation? You know, we're, we're always so concerned about other people's perceptions, and yet we fall prey to that versus the potential awesome impact we could have. So that's where I, I think, nope, lean, you'll know when you're in mojo versus ego. Ego is very self-serving, self-protecting. Shift yourself into knowing yourself, your strengths, and coming with asks and offers, and you'll be just fine. I love that. Thank you. So Sarah, what would you say are some of the growing pains you see in the early stages of DAOs and how to address those challenges? Well, I would also like agree with your comment, Adam, that I, I love hearing some of the things Lisa said. In terms of growing pains, um, one of these tools, right, so far I've talked about things that mainstream can learn from DAOs. I'm going to now share a tool that I think that DAOs can learn from mainstream, which is, Adam, you described onboarding, right? You come in, do you even know if you can be the one to give those kudos? Discords are really chaotic spaces. How many are you part of? So I think there's some tools, right, that organizations have figured out, like, let's map the journey of somebody joining. Plenty of people thought about this, right? I actually really love a tool. Um, there's a GitHub repository on, on, on developer communities, right? Like, how do you bring people, as, as Lisa said, like, from the lurking, a first bounty, like, further in? How do you help people feel like they're core contributors? You can map, you know, the experience you want. It's a, a customer experience, employee experience, DAO contributor experience, right? And then create the pathways that makes it more likely that people will kind of continue on them. So I do think that, you know, depending on where the DAO is and what you're looking, and it doesn't have to be everybody coming in, it could be like, okay, we really, really need people who can work on partnerships or we really, really need this specific kind of development skill, or we really, really need community, like whatever it is that you're looking for, the extent to which um, then you can say like, hey, and let's, let's find ways of making it when people join, that they know that from day one, you can't, it's okay to buy a token, and it's okay to say thank you, right, or whatever else it is. So I think that there are some classic tools um, for supporting onboarding of new customers, new contributors, new community members, new ecosystem partners um, that are pretty well-defined and it's just deciding to do it and then making those things happen. And when you say tools, it sounds like you're mostly talking about kind of techniques, right? Or are you actually- Yeah, are you methodology also like... in that case, exactly. Okay. Yeah, cool. I would add, um, Sarah, I love that because Early DAOs can be highly dysfunctional. And if you're just about vibes, you're really more just like a group. And that's cool too. That's totally fine if you're a group. But a, a tool that is often used for early founder startups is the business model canvas, where you're identifying what's your product or experience, where are you going to generate value, who are you generating value for, who's your end user. It, the business model canvas, if you just you know look it up in a browser, you'll see all the, and you know filter by images, you'll see all these different things. And it's just a really quick way to wrap your mind around strategy and gain, gain some clarity. Because I think oftentimes people, you know, it can be very 
um, in style right now to start a DAO. And yet there are some real things you need to consider on whether you want a traditional startup or or a DAO. And sometimes, you know, it, it actually does look more like a traditional startup, which isn't popular or fashionable right now when you talk to people in this space. But you also need to have a, a clear roadmap so people get a sense of where you might want to head. And it doesn't mean it's not going to change or that the community isn't going to vote differently in the future. But people need appreciation, but they also need clarification. They need they need to know that there's some guardrails up and and what you're aiming toward. So many awesome sound bites and quotes are, are coming coming out of this discussion. I'm so excited. How about uh, as DAOs scale? Are there particular challenges that you see um, arising, and and how might those be addressed? Yeah, this gets even trickier because this is where I think. DAOs can be extremely tempted to fall into copy-pasting Web 2 to Web 3. Because the primary DAOs that are more mature, like if 2020 was the big boom of DeFi DAOs, 2021 was where we really broadened uh, the industries, I guess, out when it comes to DAOs. And yet we're all still so young. And I think when you're young, there's much more of an appetite to experiment. There's less risk in failing. And there's um, still this very strong ability to have everything be a two-way door. And, you know, Amazon uses that language a lot with decision-making. Is this a two-way door or a one-way door? Early on, a lot of things are two-way doors. You walk through it, you figure out that well, it failed or it doesn't work. That's fine. I'll just walk back up, back through the door and start a, down a different path. We're constantly a talent DAO experimenting with different platforms and tools because we want to be able to advise and have opinions on them. So we're constantly going in and out of these doors. But as you scale up and become much bigger, you really need that infrastructure to be clear. You really need it to enable processes that people can almost step into the stream and be swept away by it. Versus questioning, is this where I'm supposed to step? Where am I supposed to go? How do I find information? How are we voting? What's the most important proposal? There's a lot of innovation happening in that space right now, quite frankly, because that is where the broader industry and field of DAOs has now finally gotten to. And that is very messy because what you're going to find is a lot of people are going to look for counsel. But a lot of counsel is not in the trenches like a lot of the people in DAOs have been. And what they'll counsel you on is a Web2 approach to these Web3 problems. And that's something that I would highly encourage people to think about is wading through the messiness, trying to surface and have really meaningful dialogue around alternatives, creative approaches, what hasn't been tried yet. Because it is all too tempting to try to bring clarity at the expense. You know, if there's clarification... You don't want the clarification to come at the expense of imagination. We still need to be experimenting. We still need to be imaginative and we still need to be pushing this whole field forward. So we need to create two-way doors, but understanding that they will be higher risk once you've scaled up. But that's worthy work right now for the whole community community to be taking on. Okay. So how about if you just think generally, um, what advice would you have for people starting DAOs today? I think my, you know, quick piece of advice is be part of the community, right? There's a lot of people who have recently done it, have tried it, have figured out these 17 things that haven't worked. It's a pretty open space and there's lots of people, you know, working on things um, and lots of tooling as well. So you don't have to start from scratch. Uh, You didn't back in the fall. You certainly don't more now. There's more things rolling out all the time. 
Um, but just in some ways, jump in, ask questions, find people you are inspired by, or, you know, DAOs you're inspired by, and you're, as you said, Adam, you're part of them when you're there. So be part of it. And it's actually a tiny world. I think mine would be be intentional. Take the time to, as Sarah said, like go slow and go fast. Uh, particularly when it comes to structuring that early group, get clear with your purpose, but attract and ensure you're being intentional about having a very diverse initial core team. Your whole community will build out from that. So if you don't have diversity, DEI concepts baked in at the get-go, much harder to get to it later. And it's worthy, worthy, worthy work. And then lastly, I'd say the, I would just reinforce that idea that as a new um, founder of a DAO, you want to be thinking through, how are you going to um, cover appreciation of the people in your DAO? How are you going to cover clarification? You need to say things seven times, seven different ways. Um, you might not like it, but that's the reality. People are not always listening when you talk or write. So you need to say it if it's important seven times, seven different ways. So clarification. And then lastly, imagination. It's still an expansive space. Don't, don't tamper down. Keep expanding it out. And you don't need to be all these three things. If you have a clear purpose and attract a diverse community, those three things will get covered, but you want to be intentional and mindful about how they're covered. You know what I would tell people too, it's, it's a, a, a slightly different take on the phrase that, that you said, which is, um, I would, I would encourage DAOs not to achieve clarification at the expense of engagement. Um, that's something I see too, where people are putting processes in place or being critical where maybe it's not necessary and they're harming engagement. And so people are less interested in participating. Um, yes. seems harmful too. Yeah. Okay, so Sarah has to go in a second. So we're going to do a quick lightning round for Sarah. We'll let her go and then we'll conclude with Lisa. Um, Sarah, uh, any favorite or least favorite DAOs or tools for DAOs? And then where can people find you and your projects on the web and on social? Thanks for asking. Total favorite is Talent DAO. Check us out. Um, maybe that's a softball. I'll say a new favorite that I just learned about um, is Primordia DAO, um, which has launched to onboard 100 DAOs for positive social change in 2022. The founders of that, who I just met, talked about how DAOs aren't just for business. Um, and there's all sorts of other forms that they're looking at. So check them out. Um, least favorite DAOs? I don't know. There's so many. Not, not that so many <laughs> least favorite, but there's so many out there. So <laughs> I, I like the Dow HQ folks who are like, we'll find the Dow that's right for you. So I'll stick with favorites. And then where you can find me, um, find me on Talent Dow, um, find me on social, and um, Sarah Sonnenfeld. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. It was awesome having you. All right. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's so great to be on here with Sarah because we both have such a shared passion for the people space of this. But every time I talk to you, Sarah, I learn so much. So really excited to continue seeing you in these forums. All right, Lisa, let's uh, let's uh, uh, also give you the chance to answer the same questions. Uh, so far, no one has given us their least favorite DAO or tool. I don't, mm. I don't blame them. But mm. just in case you do want to, your favorite or least favorite uh, DAO or DAO tool. 
Um, or, uh, and then also where can people find you on the web and on social? Sure. Uh, Talent DAO, of course, I absolutely love. We actually do a lot of great research in conjunction with Bankless researchers. And so I have to give a shout out to Bankless. They're always great for, um, you know, vibes, but are so much deeper and far beyond that and what they offer to the entire ecosystem. So love that. But um, personally, I'm really excited about Surge Women. I'm an NFT passport holder, as well as Blue DAO that have focuses on onboarding more diverse voices in the space. I really think that's super important. If you look at all these big conferences coming up, and I will be in France in a couple of weeks for ETHCC, you, you see that it is like 90% men on these speaking panels. And I would not have considered this uh, a torch for me to take up, but in this space, it just seems ridiculously um, unintentional in, in how people are curating a lot of the panels. I think it can just be so much easier. The women are there. The talent is there. Um, they just need to be tapped into more and asked. And I think some really great DAOs like uh, Blue DAO and Surge Women are providing more connective tissue across across the ecosystem for those possibilities to happen. So that's really encouraging to me. Um, and yeah, those would be the ones that I'd give shout outs to right now. And where can people find you on the web and on social? Yes, I am Lisa Woken and that's W-O-C-K-E-N, Lisa Woken on all sh- socials, but particularly Twitter is what I use. Awesome. 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 Um, Well, thank you both so much to the audience. Uh, Please consider liking us and leaving us a review or a comment or subscribing. Um, You can find me on Twitter uh, at 0xthriller. You can find MyDAO at MyDAODS or MyDAO.org. It's M-I-D-A-O.org. Also, please send me your questions that I should ask future guests. Um, Lisa, Sarah, uh, again, thank you so much for joining the show. It's awesome speaking with you both. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Love it. Absolutely. And uh, final note to the audience, are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just DAO it. Just DAO it is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Just DAO it does not contain any legal or financial advice. MyDAO also does not provide legal or financial advice, and nor does your host, yours truly.